guys, this is Rob Wolford, and you're listening to the Freight Train Podcast. What's up, everybody? Rob Kane here. Real quick before we start the interview with Rowdy Rob Williford, I want to ask everyone to please go to your social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and find the Freight Train podcast pages and give them a like or a follow. It really means a lot and it helps me continue to be able to bring amazing guests and get the word out about the podcast. Also on that note, If you subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please go real quick, write a review, uh, give it five stars. It would mean the world to me. Uh, Again, it really helps me in being able to get my podcast out there and possibly on the iTunes charts for podcast. So enough of the business. Let's get to the interview. What's up, guys? This is Rob Kane. Back with the Freight Train Podcast, episode number 30, and I am here with Rob Williford. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We've been trying to get hooked up for a while now, and I'm glad it's finally happened. I think you got a, a pretty cool story, and I'm glad to kind of get it out there to the people. So, Right on. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the last time we spoke, we were about to hop on a plane around the world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Australia, right? Yeah, we uh, started in um, started in Dublin, Ireland, did Ireland, Scotland, London, over to Singapore, and then to Australia, and we did uh, four shows in Australia. That is unreal, man. From someone like me who, you know, has never gotten to experience anything like that, and and I guess, I guess for lack of better phrase, being somewhat ignorant about what things are like outside of the u.s how how is it going to all those different countries playing the country music that we know and love here in the states i mean obviously people want it or you wouldn't be there but right i mean you know what 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 are the what's what are the differences because i mean i i'd imagine there has to be some well it's crazy because i you know we've never toured outside the u.s so it was the first time for all of us, but I think going into it, I knew that, you know, there was a demand and I've seen people uh, have success overseas, but we really just didn't have any kind of expectation in mind of, you know, are people going to show up? And, um, and they did, man. It was wild. Like, uh, <clears throat> the first couple shows we played, which was, uh, the London and Scotland and Ireland, that was a, a separate festival by itself. And that one was with, uh, Kit Moore, uh, Sugar Land, and Casey Musgraves. And so those three shows, man, in particular, the fans over there, because they're so starved for it, for the live show, they're just rabid about <laughs> it. And uh, that's really the only way I can I can put it, man. They're, uh, they're next level. So Really? Uh, yeah, all the shows sold out while they advanced. I'll compare it to something like CMA Fest here in Nashville. Yeah. Um, it, it's their CMA Fest when those kind of concerts come to town, so... Yeah, okay. man, the fans over there are, are really passionate. And now that one in London, was that the, the coast, to, or what do they call it, coast to coast? or Yeah, uh, C to C. C to C, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that that's an, uh, just an enormous 
event that that's gets put on over there. It is, man, and in London in particular, there were a couple highlights from that whole trip. But London, we did the O2 Arena, and I think as far as the indoor shows, that was by far my favorite. Awesome, awesome. And so to back up just a little bit for anyone who doesn't know, Rob Williford is the lead guitarist and band leader, if I'm correct, for Luke Combs. So That's everyone correct, knows yeah. who Luke is. Uh, the popular song Hurricane, One Number Away. I'm drawing a blank here, but uh, <clears throat> When It Rains that, It Pours. When It Rains um, It Pours, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that is who Rob Williford is. Now listen, you gotta you gotta say that with an asterisk beside it. You know, guitarist and band leader. That's a that's a very loose term. <laughs> loose I, just, term. I, I just hold that thing and bang on it. Hope it comes out all right. <laughs> well, I think you do some pretty unique banging. People seem to really like <laughs> what, what you got said. going on yeah. there. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, your group of guys, and I'm sure every group of guys uh, band has a great sense of humor, but <clears throat> with you just saying that's what she said, reminds me of a, a interview Luke did, and somebody asked him if he had a special talent, and he was like, ask my girlfriend. <laughs> and it yeah. was on CMT. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, everybody on the road, it's crazy. When you, when you live with a group of guys in a bus for, you know, weeks and sometimes a month at a time, if you don't keep it light and have fun, then you're bound to go insane and end up kicking each other's ass so we have a good time on the road everybody's you know laid back and gets along and i know everybody says this but we really do have anybody that's worked with luke or his camp or team knows that we're all very close-knit and uh basically one big goofy family out there on the road <laughs> you guys seem like it i mean anybody that follows you guys on social media can definitely see that that you're a uh, quote-unquote a band of brothers i mean uh, you guys obviously care about each other, have a good time, and uh, and uh, get out there and put on a great show every night. <clears throat> yeah, man, that's what it's all about. And, and Luke, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. Everybody asks, you know, what's Luke like? He's really just a, a down-to-earth funny guy. You know, he's, he's got a great sense of humor, and he's super witty. Yeah. I think he's wittier than I am, and <laughs> I won that superlative in high school. Really? So, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just uh always always good with you know keeping everybody happy on the road and, and just having a good time man and and unfortunately you know at the level of success that he's seen kind of be a rocket ship over the past year that that can get hard and you can get jaded by it man and myself included like i never want to look at it you know like it's a job um luke says this all the time you know, it's not it's not uh them coming to the shows it's luke playing for his fans and so I really like that attitude and that perspective, and, and that's something that we all strive to keep out on the road. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. Well, here here on my podcast, I like to get the behind-the-scenes stories, right? Like, I want to know I want to know how everything started, where it come from. So, uh, now, you're originally from North Carolina, that's correct? I am. Um, I'm from a little town called Gaston, North Carolina. It's uh, south of Charlotte, about 20 minutes. Okay. And and so, was music always a part of your life? Like, was your family musical, or how did you get into playing? No, nobody in my family was musical. Uh, my mom played the piano a little bit here and there in church, but uh, music just wasn't really a thing. And man, I think it was twelve or thirteen. I uh, 
I went to a battle of the bands at the local high school and um, saw a cat named Caleb Bulls uh, from my hometown play the solo to Freebird behind his head. And I said, <laughs> man, that guy was cool. I want to do that. And so I begged my mom for like a year to give me a guitar and she wouldn't do it because she got me a trumpet in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And I, I put I put the trumpet away after about a month. And so she said, well, you're going to get a guitar. You're going to play it. Yada, yada. Anyways, when I was 13, I got that guitar. And, man, I just I fell in love with it. I sat in my basement and, and listened to Metallica Records and Van Halen and Guns N' Roses and sat down there and tried to butcher those guitar parts as, as best I could. And uh, that's kind of where it started. It started there with rock music okay. when I was in high school. When I was 16... This is kind of a, a full circle story here. So when I was 16, for my birthday in December, my mom got me tickets to CMA Fest, and I'd never been to Nashville. And so I went to CMA Fest for, uh, Thursday through Sunday and went to all the concerts. And these, back then, it wasn't Nissan Stadium. It was LP Field. But, yeah. And uh, I remember on a Sunday watching Dirk Bentley come out on stage with just his guitar, and he played Come a Little Closer. And it was in that moment that I said, I'm moving to Nashville. Like, this is what I want to do. And uh, really fell in love with country music then. And it's crazy, man. We're playing uh, we're playing that same stage, Nissan Stadium, uh, here in about two weeks. So, Dude, that's, that's amazing. Pretty, pretty full circle thing, man. Kind of surreal. Hell yeah. And that's a beautiful song, by the way, if anybody's never heard it raw and acoustic like you're talking about. That, I, I can see how that moved you, you know? Yeah, it, it was, uh, that whole record, man, was, was awesome. And one of the first records I really got into songwriting because up until then, man, I just kind of liked to pretend like I was some kind of rock star to play guitar. But about 17 and 18, and 18, I went to college at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. By the way, like you point out, Luke is a Tar Heel fan. I'm a Duke fan. So <laughs> I, know it do- I know it doesn't make any sense how a Duke fan goes to Carolina, but um, it wasn't until I... <laughs> My freshman year at Carolina, that I just locked myself in my dorm room and uh, basically was a loser and and just started writing songs and, and trying to do that. And I'm still not good at it now, man. But that was that was when I really started getting into. I wanted to look at the album. I wanted to look at the CD. I wanted to get the insert and see who wrote the songs and who played on them. And that's that's really where I fell in love with the writing part of it. Yeah. Well, we disagree on one thing about you being. Uh... Uh, still not good at songwriting. Um, <laughs> I think that is a, a definite. I disagree with you on that. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just, man, it, the, the beauty of it is moving here to Nashville and just being surrounded by some of the best songwriters in the world. Um, it just pushes you to become better. And and Luke and I had that conversation one time years ago of like, man, you got to come to Nashville because it's just kind of being around the talent that's in this town man it just kind of elevates your game and so i'm fortunate enough now to work with a lot of guys one of the guys in particular man is a guy named jonathan singleton and he was a songwriting hero for luke and i growing up and uh he's a part of luke's publishing now and we actually got a song that the three of us wrote it's on luke's deluxe album called uh must have never met you so excited for people to hear that one definitely and what what was that called again it's called uh must have never met you must have never met you yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, we'll definitely all check that out. I know that I've uh, I've got that deluxe order um, pre-ordered, right? It hasn't come out yet. 
Yeah, the uh, pre-order launched at the beginning of May, and then the grant track was beautiful, crazy. Yeah. That Luke and I wrote with a guy named Wyatt Durrett. Okay. Backing up a little bit more, I want to... You had gone to CMA Fest. You're 16 <clears throat> years old. You <clears throat> have that life-changing moment. You go, okay, I know that I'm going to move here and pursue this. So you're still in high school, and you said you went to UNC Chapel Hill for college. At what at what point did you go? Okay, this is it's time. I need to go to Nashville. Were you waiting to graduate, or or what happened? Uh, first semester, uh, I came home for Christmas break and uh, decided I really didn't want to go back um, to college. But I, I toughed it out another semester and uh, packed up in May of 2000, and that would be 2007, and uh, moved to Nashville with two guys from my hometown named Austin Smith and Brandon Carpenter. We were in a trio. And uh, the three of us moved to Nashville in 07 and uh, lived here about three years. And, uh, man, we did the whole Broadway thing. We played every little shitty bar and club around here and did all the writers' nights and stuff. And, um, you know, it was a good – I talk about that time period. as That was like just a learning experience that yeah. whole time here in Nashville. Um kind of it was very humbling because you know back in north carolina we we thought we were pretty good and then we got out here and we're like man you know you can <laughs> see people on the street corner that are better than you so yeah uh we lived here about three years man and um ended up moving back home in 2010 and uh i got back in school just in charlotte i had a girlfriend that i pretty much lived with and i had a a job doing public relations at a theme park called Carowinds. Okay, I've so, heard of Carowinds. On paper, uh, life was really together for me at that point. Um, I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do, but I wasn't doing them for me. And I yeah. remember watching guys like Lee Bryce, uh, Jake Owen, Eric Church, Jared Neiman, that I had moved to town around the same time, and their careers were taking off. And I remember one night watching like, the CMT award or something. And I remember kind of getting mad at like, and then I realized, well, I'm only mad because they're doing it and I'm not. And I remember it was a Wednesday night. I came home, I had a night class and I came home from class and I told my girlfriend, I said, Hey, I think I'm going to move back to Nashville. And she, of course, you know, she's like, well, what, you know, when are, when are you doing this? And I said, tomorrow. And that night <laughs> I, I went and packed all my clothes in trash bags. I had a little mini fridge and I put my guitar and my to come on and I went to work on Thursday morning and I told my boss I said hey uh, on my lunch break I gotta tell you something and the office started taking bets whether I had gotten engaged or gotten a girl pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and so at lunch I, you know they brought the whole marketing team in and I said hey guys you know you guys know I play music and stuff on the side but uh, I've decided I'm gonna move back to Nashville and they said, that's great. When are you moving? And I said, well, I ain't clocking back in from lunch. And fortunately, <laughs> they were really good sports about it. But no, I didn't. I left at about 1 p.m. on Thursday, drove to Nashville, didn't tell anybody. Um, told my brother and my girlfriend, which became my ex-girlfriend pretty quickly. Yeah, and, I uh, imagine so. I didn't, I didn't tell my mom. And uh, I was here for 10 days. I didn't have anywhere to stay. I didn't really know anybody. I was just kind of sleeping on couches. And I wrote my mom this huge letter. And, you know, we joke about it now, but my stepdad jokes that, you know, 
that sent her into a week-long depression, and she stayed in the bubble bath for a week. But <laughs> <laughs> I bet she's we're okay all, now. <laughs> we're all good now. Yeah. Well, damn, that is a hell of a, a story there. So you just literally decided after seeing that and getting mad and realizing that that it was because you weren't there pursuing it too, and then you just decided to get up and go. It was just, it got to the point in my life, I guess I was 25, 24, 25 at that point. Not a quarter-life crisis, but I kind of sat there and went, man, like I'm I'm doing all these things that I feel like I'm supposed to do, but I know my heart is in songwriting. And so I came back out here and just, the first year I was out here, I just struggled. And, and I had to because it's just, the way I am, like, if I don't have to do something, I won't do it. And yeah. so I just tried to put myself in a position that it was like, I come out here and either succeed at this or I walk back with my head held high and go, you know what? I gave it a shot. Yeah. And so I was here for about a year and uh, ended up being fortunate enough to meet some people and signed the publishing deal uh, at a little independent pulp company. And it's funny, man, I signed my publishing deal on my first week that I'd started a job at CVS. <laughs> so there I was back again, quitting a job because of music. And, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I wrote there for a year and that's actually how I met Luke. Okay. Uh, when, I, when I was writing there and the connection there is you got to follow this Luke's roommate in college. The roommate's mother was my science teacher in high school. Wow. And so, when he was coming here for the very first time to record three songs on that first EP, which is, if I remember correctly, The Way She Rides, Sheriff, and uh, Moonshine. Mm -hmm. I probably messed that up. No, it's I Know She Ain't Ready, The Way She Rides, and Moonshine. He was coming out here to record those three songs, and the roommate was like, well, my mom says she knows this kid out there in Nashville writing songs. And so he came by that publishing house, and I knew I knew who he was. I'd heard about him, and uh, at that point, I was such a still just a cocky kid. And mm -hmm. he walked in, he played me some stuff, and I said, "Man, you good singer, but you know, you're kind of like a karaoke singer. You ain't got no songs." You told him that. You <laughs> told him that, and so the story <laughs> we always tell at radio is: when I met Luke, I told him he was a karaoke singer, and he told me I was an asshole, and one of us was right. <laughs> and it wasn't me so here we are here we are five years later he's my best friend i'm his band leader uh i tell people this all the time man if luke and i never played another note of music we'd still be best friends that's amazing dude that's that's a hell of a story i mean you can't you can't make that shit up you know i, I i'm not a big uh not a kind of a cynical guy i'm not a big believer in the whole things happen for reason but but that whole meeting man that, that was that was a destiny thing I hear for you. sure so when you met him and you're in that session with him when he's recording those songs, how quickly after that did you guys start writing together on a on a more frequent basis? Very, very quickly. Uh, so he came in, recorded those songs, and then he came back to town with a guy named Josh Phillips. Yeah. And I told Josh, Josh had this song idea called Can I Get Newton? And he pretty much had the song done, and I really loved the chorus of it. So I told Luke, I said, hey, man, when you're in town, come over to my apartment. Let's try to rewrite the song. And so that was the very first song that we all sat down and, and kind of rewrote. And, uh, man, it's crazy. We still play that every show almost, and people love that song. Really? But 
it was at that point that he and I sat down and started writing, and I went, okay, this guy's just like me. We, we both love the same things, and we both love Eric Church. So that was kind of like our, our thing that we connected with immediately. But, okay. um, yeah, man, after I started hanging out with him and writing, I was like, dude, if you ever need a guitar player, you know, I'll go, I'll go jump on some dates with you. So literally after we wrote that first time, he had a, uh, a little, um, gig back in North Carolina and we got in his Dodge Neon and man, ain't, ain't looked back since then. I hear you, dude. I hear you. So, and, and just to, to list the, the songs that you've been a part of that people would, uh, know off the top of their head. What uh can you list to me the songs that you've written off the off the first album with um or had let's see we wrote uh Can I Get an Outlaw we wrote Don't Tempt Me with a Good Time um uh, Beautiful Crazy which is the one off this deluxe yeah um must have never met you and then um one number away hell yeah that's a hell and then, of a so lineup. one number away <laughs> is currently as we speak sitting at number 2 on the country charts and so Luke's favorite thing to do right now is every night on stage, give me hell for Rob's one number away from his first number one. <laughs> hell yeah. So <clears throat> where where did the, um, and if anybody doesn't know, Rob is uh, frequently referred to as Rowdy Rob. Rowdy Rob. Where did uh, Rowdy earned that come nickname from? rightfully so, yeah. <laughs> so it's just earned through time, like there's no there's no one story as to why people call you Rowdy? Uh, it started in high school, man. I was always just like the class clown and just love having a good time. But over the years, I think that personality coupled with my affinity for whiskey mm-hmm. um, has led to uh, the rowdy term being a uh, pretty accurate uh, description. I hear you. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about that's a, that's a personal uh, favorite of mine that I get to see through social media and a, a ton of other people um, and I think just honestly renews the uh, the faith we uh, we have in country music as fans is when all of you guys, you and your friends, get on and do the Facebook Live stuff on the couch. And I guess that's at somebody's apartment or that's that's or actually my house. Yeah, oh, that's your house. Okay. Yeah. So um, and the the best one was when you guys brought in the cardboard cutout of Luke last time. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Yeah. But so what, I mean, was that just, <clears throat> like, how, how did all those get started? Were y'all just sitting around one night like, hey, let's go live, or was it, like, you know? That, that actually started uh, before Luke and I really started playing together a lot. So the guy, and I still live with him now, my roommate, the guy named Dustin Huff. Yeah. And Huff and I, like, one night, man, after drinking some whiskey, decided, let's start this thing called the living room sessions. And so he and I, usually about once a month, would just get a little buzz going on and, and pop on Facebook Live and, and it kind of got got legs and more and more people started watching it and Luke jumped on it and um but yeah man that's that's where that all started. Well, I mean that last one was just freaking star studded. I mean it was Hugh <laughs> Huff, Farron Rachel's, Ray Fulcher, Joe Fortner. Um, I think y'all had uh, you had the cardboard cut out of Luke, obviously, <laughs> um, and then. There was a few more people there. I'm trying to think. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those are just – I mean, I had comments on my social media um, because I have interviewed some of those people already. Um, yeah. And they're like, 
they're like, how did how did all these people get in the same room together? And I mean, I, you know, I'm obviously am not there with you guys or anything like that. But I was like, well, they, they know each other, <laughs> you know. That's, I mean, they're, that's they, really they're as, friends. as simple as it is, man. It's like <laughs> we've got our we've got our little crew of, of a lot of folks that kind of moved here at the same time. And I mean, Ray, you know, I met Ray through Luke, but Ray's one of my favorite co-writers, and you know, obviously he had eight cuts on that record so yeah. he's, a, he's a huge part of that but man all those people uh Farron, muscadine uh, josh phillips joe um we're all and drew parker we're all just kind of a, a little family man that, that just started writing together and hanging out and and that's i've learned if i've learned one thing about nashville it's like when i moved back here and started writing i remember thinking why can't i get in these rooms with these writers and i learned pretty quickly that you know this town revolves around camaraderie and it's like everyone has their group of people that they come up with and that they write well with and it's it's no slight on anybody else but it's just like anything else in life it's like yeah you find out who your friends are and who you get along with and it's as simple as that for for that group of people hell yeah man well it's really cool to watch it's a it's a really it's a really cool thing to get to see, you know, because I mean, I think people, I, you know, it's kind of like college football players, right? Like they're college, they're students, but at the same time we see them on TV. And honestly, it's the same thing as seeing, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're, they're college athletes on TV, but they're on TV. Right. So when right. we see you guys in those groups like that, like it's a, it's a, it's a pretty moving thing to see all these people making great country music right there you know, for everybody to be able to see and see how you interact on a, on a normal basis, you know, not just a show on sure. a stage. I think it's really powerful. I mean, uh, you know, it would, it has definitely encouraged me to try to get back into making some music, you know, just personally, it's, it, I think it inspires people, I guess is what I'm trying to get out. <clears throat> that's, my, that's my favorite part of all of it is it's twofold. One, I love to perform, man. I, like, the road is grueling. Uh, a lot of people don't see. They think it's a big party. And we have fun, but, man, it's, there's a lot of sacrifice involved. Like, yeah. I don't have a dog. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have time to do laundry. But that being said, I love performing. And the other thing is I love hearing stories from people just on an inspiration level. Like, this morning I got a, I got a Facebook message from a kid in my hometown that's just songwriter, you know. And the uh, message was just very sweet i said hey dude um just want you to know you're you're like my biggest inspiration of why i got into this so hearing stories like that man because i remember when i was that kid and i remember watching eric church and going wow like and i have a i have uh, a plaque that hangs in my bedroom uh a vinyl of carolina that mm -hmm. i keep um just because that record man was so pivotal and influential in in me deciding that i wanted to do this so if I can be that guy to just one person, then that's it's worth it for me. I hear you. Well I think I think that's uh that's a pretty that's a pretty neat position to have, you know. Um to be yeah, able absolutely. to to instill that inspiration into people. A couple other things I want to ask you about real quick and we'll we'll wrap this up, but you mentioned another name that I forgot to mention, which is crazy because he was my interview last week was Mr. Drew Parker. And I know that you two both have a insatiable love for Mr. Keith Whitley. <laughs> Man, we'd have to, you'd have to put me, Ray, and Drew in a room 
and let us fight it out <laughs> over who is the bigger Keith Whitley fan. I, I think I am. Um, I think I have a little bit more memorabilia than they yeah. do. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim the title on that. But yeah, man, uh, those guys and myself, um, I always get asked, you know, who's your favorite, who's your favorite singer or whatever, and it's Keith is the he's the goat. Yeah. He is definitely the goat. Speaking of memorabilia, Drew was telling me how his uh, end of the tour gift from Luke was every vinyl record that Keith Whitley had ever sang on. I did not know that. I'm very jealous of that. Yeah, he uh, he was just telling me that. Um, like I said, Drew Parker was my interview last week, and yeah, I was like, I was like, damn, like I mean, he was even talking about all the old bluegrass stuff, the stuff that he did with the. Uh, it was literally every vinyl recording that his voice ever sang on. I bet I have one that he doesn't. <laughs> I have a Keith Whitley record on vinyl from where he played with uh, Ralph, I think it's Ralph Stanley, and when he was in the Bluegrass Band, and all of them signed it. Really? I bet he doesn't have that one. He may. <laughs> Jesus. That's crazy, dude. Where do y'all find was, this stuff? I had a... Uh, uh, ex-girlfriend that uh, fortunately <laughs> yeah, got a really good gift out of it but uh, she found it through a, a, a memorabilia dealer in Las Vegas and wow. uh, that that vinyl they recorded that he was Keith was 14 or 15 when they did that that is insane and not to make this about Keith Willie but a lot of people don't I don't think a lot of people realize how early he started making music in his career yeah man it, his whole life I mean, he got into it doing bluegrass uh, when he was 13. And then, I mean, he really didn't have any commercial success till after his death in 89. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah people don't realize, man, a lot of that, those records and, and that music he made was huge, hugely influential on the 90s country that followed. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Rowdy Rob, um, is there anything else coming down the pipe uh, for the Luke Combs crew um, that the world can know about? I know if you haven't yet, go out and uh, pre-order that deluxe album. Um, it's going to be great, all the new added stuff that, that wasn't previously released. Is there anything else you can tell us about that that people can um, get a leg up on? I'm to wake me up at 6.30 p.m. That's a that's a sad life. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're on Alvin's one right now. Uh, I'm sure we're coming. Whoever's listening, I'm sure we're coming near you. Um, yeah. We're on that through the rest of the fall, and then uh, we're going to do another overseas trip uh, in October. Okay. Well, all right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for jumping on and uh, talking to me a little bit. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you.